But do something a little bit different. You know that the story in Chayei Sarah, the majority of the parashat, is about looking for Shidduch for Yitzchak. And okay, that's not so remarkable in itself, but it's uh, not so clear why the Torah goes and tells the story at such great lengths. In fact, it tells the story twice. It tells the story when it happened. Avram Avinu sends Eliezer to find a wife for his son Yitzchak. And then Eliezer tells the story over again. He tells the story over again. Um, when he gets to the house of Lavan, he says the whole, the whole story over again. So that's always a uh, kind of a problem. Like, you know, it's a difficult to understand when the Torah is mikatzer, makes things very short, like in halachic matters, sometimes in one pasuk, uh, and you turn it into Hilchot Shabbat. And you know, the Shabbat is mentioned in the Torah many times, but the halachic aspects of Shabbat, Lo Tevaru Eish, Biyom Shabbat, that's the halacha. Of course, the Torah says many times that there is Shabbat. But the halacha of Shabbat is mentioned in one pasuk. On Masechet Shabbat, Masechet Shabbat, sorry, Masechet Shabbat is 150 dafas. So from one pasuk turned into 150 dafas, not, you know, not such easy dafas either. So we're not always sure about why the Torah is brief on certain topics, or why the Torah is expansive about other topics. But in this matter, the Torah is extremely expansive. Expansive. It tells us a story uh, again and again. And uh, we wonder every year why this is. Well, I can't solve that problem. But I'm going to look at one person that seems to us to be, without a doubt, uh, unnecessary. Unnecessary to say the least. When Eliezer gets to the home of Rivka, he said, you have a place for me to sleep? You know, like forward. In those days it was different, I guess. Everybody had a guest room with a bathroom with all kinds of places for the animals to sleep. It was all, it was different. So he said, you have a place for me to sleep? And she said, she Rivka. said, yeah, sure, no problem, come on with us. So they went home. And then the Torah describes how Eliezer unloaded, so to speak. You know, he came with the animals and the stuff. <coughs> he had to unload. What? Elama? His name isn't mentioned. but we can mention his name. We already know this, Parasha. Right? We, we know, we know. So this is a Pasuk. You mean that that's also a, a mystery? Why he's called the Ish? Okay, what? Okay, that's all good, I mean, but that's not my topic. Next year, <laughs> next year maybe we'll talk about that. But here's a Pasuk. That's kind of uh, regular. He came into the house. And then this word, So the word Vayifatach, 
looks like the word pei tavchet, patoach, livtoach. But I say, not that I'm an expert by any means, but I had a camel, and I had to open up the camel. So what would I do? Uh, so I guess, I guess, you know, uh, reminds me of those uh, cowboy movies that I once used to be so happy to watch. You, you like unhitch everything, you know, like the camel, the thing's tied on the camel, and there's a bit, and there's a, well, whatever there is, you know, the stuff. So, sounds like Eliezer did that. I mean, it's what everybody did. It wasn't like he did something special. He did something extremely regular. And then he fed them. Which, according to my memory of the cowboy movies, I mean, that's what you do. You take your horses, and you give them water, and you feed them. So Eliezer had a camel, so he did the same thing. Right? And then he washed his feet, which was customary in those days, for whatever reason. So that uh, this pasuk, this pasuk amongst many psukim, is new to the story, because it's what Eliezer did when he came to the home uh, of Rivka. But it tells us things that um, don't seem to mean anything. Does what? Who? She could do that. She she did it. Didn't she? he did it. He did. She did other things. <coughs> Rashi. Here's Rashi. Itir now zemem zem zemem or zamam. Is a uh, is a like an avzam, you know. An avzam is a, a buckle. So a zebem is is like that. He she he loosened the buckles. Shaya soteim et pihem shelo yirubaderch be stot acheri. That's what Rashi says. Rashi says here's Eliezer. He would put a muzzle. Even though the word zemmem sounds to me like an abzam, but Rashi said it was some kind of a muzzle that you put on the camels in order that the camels should not eat along the way. Bistot <coughs> acheri. Now, still, I mean, I imagine that you're still not excited about what we're doing here tonight. But I, can, I just repeat that this seems to be information that we might not be interested. I mean, like, very nicely. He did regular. This is what people did. And Eliezer did regular what people did. He took the bit off of the camel, because the camel had to eat. And uh, that's it. And that's what Rashi tells us. <coughs> now, in the Midrash, if you look at the bottom of the page, in the Midrash, This is a this is a, a, a paragraph from the Medrash Rabbah to Breshit, right? To Breshit, Parsha Samach, paragraph Chet. This is what the Medrash Rabbah says. Zimu 
I don't know what Zimu Mehem is, but if you look at the commentaries, I have no choice, so I look at the commentaries, they all say that it opened up this bit, like the camel was, was constrained by the bit, couldn't eat, and he opened it up so they would be able to eat. So now the Medrash goes off and says something that can only be considered fantastic. I don't mean fantastic, great, I mean fantastic. Who would imagine it? Here's the, here's the Medrash. Rav Huda v'Rav Yirmiya Sha'ala Rav Chiyabar Rabba Sitting around, you know the Yemoraim, they always talked about Torah. They sat around, they talked about Torah. So what did he say? What did Rav Huna Rav Yimio ask? I mean, when you say Rav Huna Rav Yimio, they weren't a choir. But this question was a known question. This is a question that was in the Beit Medrash that people were concerned with. And they say, Lo ayuk v'alav shal avram avinu domim l'chamorosu rabbi Pinchas ben Yair. Huh? Remember about Pinchas ben Yair? No. Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair was a like a very amazing personality. And one of the things that was amazing about Rav Pinchas ben Yair was that the animals, his chamor, his donkeys, would not eat non-kosher food. And, and... I, I didn't think that part was funny. I thought that was amazing. Can you imagine? His donkey wouldn't eat non-kosher food. Now, what is non-kosher food? It means that if they went, the donkey went with Pankhus Ben Yair to somebody's home, and then the guy offered the donkey barley, and the donkey knew that the owner of the house didn't separate Trumot and Masroth. I'm not talking about Chazer. Although I didn't separate Trumot and Masroth, so the donkey wouldn't eat it. So the donkey would have said, I have a kasha. I mean, that everybody knows that about Pankhus Ben Yair. What's the kasha? The kasha is, Lo yugmalav shel avra bavinu domim lechamoroso pilchas ben yair. Chabartei the rapilchas ben yair nasbua listai. Says, you know about the the chamor of Rabbi Pinchas ben yair? It was stolen by robbers, right? And the robbers had the chamor of Rapichos Ben Yehir. They stole it. They wanted to work with it. They wanted to do whatever you do. <coughs> but the chamor is going to chamor. Wouldn't it? It wouldn't eat anything. So he says, what's going to be? That the, the, this dumb donkey is going to die of starvation. So they gave it back. So they gave back the donkey to Rapichas ben Yair. They sent him back to the home of his, of, of his, uh, of his bala bayit. Gave it the altar. So, 
So he said to him, he's not going to eat the salarim until you take trumas of maizras. Amun le'in afiktun demai. Amun lo kein alpin rabbi elokeach zera lebehema vekebach laorot v'shemen laner v'shemen lasukmo et ha'kelim piturim in ademai. So he says, uh, there's a halachic question about whether you have to take truma demaizrot for something that you're going to use but not eat. Right, you have shemen. Shemen comes from olives, but you could eat it, or you could use it the other ways. So there's a story about the chamor of Rav Pichos ben Yair. The chamor of Rav Pichos Yair was a Haredi. It was a Haredi chamor. Even when there was a suffix about whether he had to take trumas or maizras from the shemen, the Chavar wouldn't participate. He didn't want anything to do with it. He didn't want anything to do with food that was a suffix. That's called demai. He wanted to make sure that Truma Demaisot were taken properly and he didn't want to live in a world of suffix. And it was the Chavar. The Chavar the of Rapinus Ben Yair. The Chavar of Rapinus Ben Yair. Was from. And now. Now he says, what was the question that the Amoroim asked about Avram Avinu? What was the question? So he said, how could it be that Aprichas ben Yoyer, who was a great man, but he wasn't like Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu is the greatest man. So if Eliezer comes with a camel from the house of Avram Avinu, why does he have to put a bit or, or a muzzle on the mouth of the camel? Where the camels could go to eat from foreign fields? Of course not. The camel of Avram Avinu would also rather starve to death than, than, than eat from somebody else's somebody else's food. Now, we would put this this is the category of Agadita. Is Agadita? I mean, okay, it's uh, like a story. It's cute, but. Uh, but no one would imagine that this has anything to do with pshat, with what the Torah is really saying. It's like, you know, it's like Rabbi Akiva said. Rabbi Akiva said that you have to, you know, when you tell, when you teach a shir, you have to be able to say a milta de bidichuta. Milta de bidichuta. So you know what Rabbi Akiva said? Akiva said, I don't know if it's a milta de bidichuta, but he said, you know, how old was Sarah Imenu? How old was Sarah Imenu when she died? How many midinot did Achashverosh have? 127. So Rabbi Akiva said, Oh, that's it. This explains that, that explains this. And everybody woke up. Everybody this year woke up because until then, they didn't understand what he was saying because they didn't know what he was saying. Suddenly they didn't know what he was saying, but they could follow it. Right? So that's interesting. So Rabbi Akiva said, 127 Medinot, 127 years, oh, there you have it. So that's, that's, when you, that's a technique. You want people to be interested in what you say, so you tell them a story. So you tell a story about Avram and Pechaz ben Yoyer and the Chamor, and it's all, it's all very nice. So along comes the Rambam. And we know 
<coughs> that the Ramban was a Pashtan. Don't let anybody tell you anything else. The Ramban was interested in Pshat in the, in the Chumash. Rashi was also a Pashtan. But Rashi's Pshat is usually connected to what Chazal said. And the Ramban's Pshat could just as easily be something he made up. He says he reads the words. The Ramban, in spite of the fact that on the one hand he's a Kabbalist, when it comes to the Pshat, the Ramban is a minimalist. Rashi is a Pashtan. But Rashi always gets the Pshat from Chazal. Always. And the Ramban often makes up the Pshat. His own Pshat. So now let's look at the Ramban. <coughs> Let us look at the Ramban. The Ramban says like this. When about this person. Eliezer hu ha'ishaba. First clarification. That we're talking about Eliezer. Who did it? Who opened up these winches and locks and all these things from the Gmalim? That was Lavan. So the Ramban says, I don't really understand why the Torah would tell us this. But if we say that it was Lavan who did it, it's more interesting. Because it says something about Lavan. That he was a, a person, like most people are. Like he had split personality. He was a bad person. But sometimes he did good things. So here, for, for, for his uh, guest, <coughs> he did a good thing according to the... That's all Lavan. Because, according to the Ramban, how could somebody go into somebody else's house and just take the stuff? You have to get permission. Somebody have to give it to you, so it was Lavan. Because it doesn't make sense that Eliezer <coughs> would go into the house and take over and take over the whole household that doesn't make any sense so he says it must have been uh, 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 it must have been it must have been lavan he's trying to say that this is a reasonable construction in what's called biblical Hebrew that sometimes the verb verb number two doesn't go back to the same subject as verb number one in other words you have a noun a verb and another verb so usually you would think that verb number one and verb number two go back to the noun right here you don't have a noun but you have a, an imagined noun a pronoun which is Eliezer so if you say that Eliezer vayavo ha'ish is Eliezer then vayiftach ha'gmalim should also be Eliezer but the Rabbah says the Rabbah says look there are other psukim like that where the second verb has a different subject 
<coughs> where the second verb has a different subject. So there's Siva and Mephiboshet. So it's not clear whether the second verb goes on the, the first the subject or the first noun or the second noun. Okay. So this is what the Rabban says. So this is, I would say, this is chat. I mean, the Rabban doesn't quote a Chazal. <coughs> and his shot is that, uh, that there are two subjects in the sense. Eliezer did what he did, right? He's by Fatah HaGemalim. He did to his property what you could do. And then Lavan came and gave him food and water. Now the Ramban says this. Listen to the Ramban. Inyan Vayifatach HaGemalim Shepatach Mosarei Tzavaram Mosarei are chains. Asirim. Right, people who are chained in. Tzavaram. Are around their necks. I haven't got a clue what the, where exactly this was. But it doesn't matter. Ki shurim. Because that's how they did it. When you wanted to take your camel from hither to yam, you put on some kind of a halter, and you walked with the camel. The camel was sort of like connected to you, right? It could run away. That's how they did it. They walked, and the camel, even though the camel might have walked uh, behind the, the owner, might have been like a pleasant, well-trained camel, but in any event, you tied it. Like, I guess it's similar to a dog, walking a dog in the street. You have some kind of a leash, and that's how you walk with the, with the dog. Or maybe it refers to the fact that the seat that you put on the camel was tied to the camel in some way. Right, what you call, what do we call that? A uh, saddle, right? <coughs> Something that's closed and something that's open. Right? These are psukim with the same words are used to refer to something closed being opened. I'm sorry. Now here we have the connection of all these different ideas. The Shobreshit Rabbah, that's the Medrash that we learned before. In the Medrash Rabbah it says, Hitir Zibmehem. Zibmehem, we said, is the thing that is keeping the camel's mouth closed. That's at least according to Rashi. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Yimish, Allah, Rabbi Chiyab, Rabbi Abba, Loyu, Gvalim, Shalab, Rabbi, Vino, Domim, Lechamorosh, Pinchas, Ben Yair. What do you say? Rashi says, there's no doubt. Sorry. The Ramban says that there's no doubt that Rashi's wrong. You imagine? 
We're making an Asik out of something here. Rashi's wrong. What is Rashi wrong about? Rashi's the one who said, based on the Medrash, that... Not based on the Medrash, but the, the Medrash mentions it as well, that, that what was tied up was the camel's mouth. And why was the camel's mouth tied up, according to Rashi? Shaloyu that the camel should not go and wander off and eat from somebody else's field. That's what, that's what Rashi said. What does the Ramban say? It's wrong. It's wrong because what's the question in the Medrash that the Amoraim asked? How could it be that the camels of Abram Avinu were not as frum as the camels of Apichos ben Ya'ir? What's the answer to that question? What's the answer? We went through the Medrash. And what's the answer? The answer is there's no answer. So what does Rabban say? If there's no answer in the Medrash, so that must mean, what must that mean? What must that mean? What? They were. They were what? And therefore, it can't be that they tied up the mouth of the camels of Avramavidu. You imagine this kind of discussion? So according to Rambam, the simple pshat in the Pesach is, the Pesach says, What did he open up? He opened up every chain and hitch and winch that you could imagine, but nothing to do with the mouth. Because the camel that Avramavidu sent with uh, uh, Eliezer was from... It was a Haredi camel, not less Haredi than the camel of Pinchas ben Ya'ir. That's what the Ramban says. The Ramban says, pshat, simple pshat, he says the kasher is a good kasher. Good kasher means it's impossible. It's impossible that Eliezer's camel would not be as qualified in Frumkite as a Pinchas ben Ya'ir's donkey. Did we? And the Ramban. The Ramban, who we know, was the Godel Hador. Right? The Godel Hador in his time, without a doubt, <coughs> who had the greatest Talmudim in that, those generations, who we depend on for learning Hadaf Gemara. We can't learn Hadaf Gemara without the Ramban. The Ramban wrote a commentary on Chumash that is learned again and again throughout the ages because it's, it's full of, of information and profound insights and the Ramban says, look, I want you to know, this camel did not have a bit. And therefore, Eliezer or Lovon did not take it off. And maybe these two things are connected. Let's go back to the Ramban. <coughs> this question is a good question that the Medrash asks. And therefore, we see that Rashi is mistaken. Rashi says pshat in the Pesach as though the Medrash doesn't exist. As though the Medrash never asked a question. So Rashi says, no, Rashi's wrong. And so the Ramban is talking about physics. He's talking about chemistry. He's not talking about, he has no doubt there's no question about it. There's no question about it. And in fact, according to the Ramban, if you say, why is it the Chazal told the story of Apinos ben Ya'ir? Only so we should know Pshat in this Pesach in the Chumash. Because if not for the story of Apinos ben Ya'ir, 
we'd all say pshat like Rashi. And Rashi, we now understand, was simply mistaken. It can't be. Right, since we know clearly that the Chamor of Pinchas ben Yair wouldn't eat anything that was forbidden to his master, so too it must be that the camel of Avram Avinu would not eat the same food. Kol and therefore there was no need to put a bit on their mouths. Imagine. I don't know who the tzaddik is. <coughs> because, but he's saying, just like a righteous person is protected against the, the pitfalls of Averot, gets extra protection, so too with the camel of Avram Avinu avoid doing an Isser, eating food that didn't belong to him, even if it meant starvation. So there's a machlokas, a real machlokas. There's a real machlokas in Rashi and the Ramban. And another way of saying it is, according to Rashi, according to Rashi, the, the Medrash says, yeah, I said, okay. The Chamor of Apichas Ben Yair was special. But we just don't know that the, that the camel of Avram Avinu was special in the same way. The Ramban says, if the Chamor of Apichas Ben Yair was special, Alachas Kamo Vakamo, that the camel of Avram Avinu was certainly special. So now let's look at how the Shemi Shmuel deals with all of this. Right? Shemi Shmuel is already at the end of the 19th, beginning 20th century. The Sochachover. Most of the Torah in the Shem Shmuel is the Sochachovas. The Shmuel was his son who wrote up the Torah of his father. <coughs> Not all of it, some of it is his own, but uh, I mean, the Sochachov was one of those uh, great uh, Hasidic uh, Rebbeim who, whose authority in halachic matters was great and whose authority in Hasidic matters was also great. It was like it was a unique time. It was a unique time when people who got a very profound uh, education in, uh, in yeshiva, so to speak, also became attached to rebellion and became Hasidim. The Sochachava was attached to the Kotzka. Right? This is Polish, Polish Hasidim, right? The, you know, the, the Hasidus, they always say, you know, the Polish are all very clever. I hope that uh, those of you who have Polish ancestors are happy, and those of you who don't should not be unhappy. But uh, that's what they say. And the Rebbeim, the Hasidic Rebbeim in Poland are like the spitz of the clever. You know, like the Geras and the Sotachov and, the, uh, and the Alexander, they were all very clever. Like that was the. Uh, I assume all the rebbeim were clever. Look, you don't get to be the CEO if you don't have without talent. You've got to have some talent. So here's the Shemishua. 
Shem Yishmuel says this. Veneer Lefarish. He says, I want to... <coughs> I want to take a crack at understanding this machlokas. Like, you know, you could say, you could just yawn and say, uh, gee, you know, what, who cares? I mean, it's a dead camel and it's a dead donkey. And we don't have donkeys like that. At least I, not to my knowledge. But we don't have camels like that. So, you know, if the teacher would give me an exam and ask me what did Rashi say, what did Rambat say, okay. But to be interested in this is a little bit, takes me a little bit out of my context. Along comes the Shemesh, well, the Shemesh also says this. In there, the first of Pimashikit, quote, quote, show avi, admar, zechatzal, devrocha, ahad amre chazal, bishashet tike in shlomo eruvin, when it tilat yadai, Yatsabat kolva amra bini, im chacham libcha yismach libi gam ani. Chacham bini, yismach libi. Sharei. He explains this uh, statement in Chazal. He explains it like this. I, wanna, I don't want to go into that part because it'll take us out of our shvun. Sharei shlomo amelech. Sha'al. Chachma lasot mishpat. Shlomo amelech asked God in order that he should be able to judge wisely, if you remember. He says, he says, it's not so difficult to tell the difference between mutar and asur. I mean, after all, there's a big difference between a cow and a pig. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to be able to say, oh, this is a cow, I'll eat the cow. This is a pig, I won't eat the pig. This is In other words, they advertise themselves. I'm a pig. Okay. Go to the other place, to the other store. We're not interested in you. I will mamon says. But in order to develop the capacity to distinguish between his money and my money, you know, like, let's say we're partners, or we have a business together. So it's not so easy. Not so easy to distinguish and to say, well, I shouldn't really take this money because it really belongs to him. Kamaram Zal, I'm sorry. He says, Shishneim Heter. In, in other words, this money and that money, there's no isur. It's only an isur to take it away from the person who owns it. But the money itself could just as much be mine as it is his. This is Shei Mishmur. Shneihem heter. achar ba'alaf. You understand? What's the problem? The problem is, here's $100. Is it mine or is it his? But the hundred dollars itself is ra'ui, is, is a worthy thing. It could be his, it could be mine. It's not like a piece of chazer. A piece of chazer, you can't eat it, I can't eat it. It, has, it says on it, stay away. But money doesn't say on it, stay away. <coughs> then he quotes the Gemara, and he says, Lazet <laughs> 
וזה עצמו הוא העניין שתיקן עירובין, and this is why שלמה המלך fixed the עירובין, היינו אף ששניהם רשות היחיד, מכל מקום נבדל רשות ששייך לזה, מלזה הבדלה רבה, ודומה להיבדל רשות היחיד בשביל רבים. So even though we know that you have to make an Erev, what I have my backyard and he has his, and those of you who remember living in Chutzlaretz, you remember that these uh, problems existed if you had a neighbor. I mean, if you're one of those few fortunate people who would still visit their neighbor, Bechlau, and one of the people who would visit their neighbor through the yard. You know, there's like Dargot in friendliness. So usually, usually at the beginning of the relationship, you go through the yard. At the end of the relationship, you cross the street before you come to your own house. That's, uh, that's like a sad... So Eruvin, Eruvin takes wisdom, because it doesn't look like there's any difference. He says, that's why you need the Tilak Yadayim, because Yadayim, the Gemara says, Askaniyotayim. Your hands go places. You don't even know where they're going. So you should wash your hands before you eat. So this is the language that Hasidus uses. They're sparks. They're good sparks. They're bad sparks. So if your hands went into a place that they shouldn't, uh, shouldn't go, so when you eat food, you're already contaminating your food, so you need the tilat yadayim. So for that you need Chochmah. Because your hands look the same. The, the, the backyards look the same. A Ruvin and a Tilat Yadayim. For that you have to be a perceptive kind of person to understand that this is a problem and how the problem should be, uh, should be solved. Shlobo Hevim Bechochmato Shezeu Ki'ilu Nidbak Tavar Ha'isu so Shlomo HaMelech understood that when your hands go to wherever they're not supposed to be, even though you can't tell, and you can't see anything, it's as though you're carrying around some kind of a, um, some negative stuff. You're carrying negative stuff. I just say, you have to wash your hands. So that's Chochmah. Shezeu ke'ilu nidbak tavar isu. Vizeu, this is the Chochmah. And the diuk. And this is what my father said. My father said that you have to differentiate distinctions that are easy from distinctions that are difficult. And distinctions that are difficult demand very often protection. So Eruvin is a protection and the Kilat Yadayim is a protection. Now he says, this is the Shemi Shmuel talking, there's a Gemara. Eina Kodesh Bochum Bevi Takala Al Yadan. That Behemot Shel Tzadikim are able to act or to live as the Tzadikim. Able to live that, that way. Av She'ein La Behemot Ruach HaKodesh Leida Shezeh Davar Yisur. He says, what does it mean? He says, what do you mean that the, the, the Behemot is not going to eat a piece of Chazah? So if the piece of chazer is like a piece of meat lying on the ground, how's the behemoth going to know that this is chazer and not a piece of cow's meat? He says, mm-hmm. 
עד שגם בטבעם מעצמם אינם נמשכים אלא אחר הטוב והראוי. So he says, that's the nature of tzadikim, that the right thing gives them pleasure, and the wrong thing makes them feel unhappy. I remember that there's this story where Yaakov Kamenetsky, Zichron Lebrocha, was here in Eretz Yisrael and went to visit his son, who was a neighbor of mine. And I, of course, happened to be there by accident. So Yaakov Kamenetsky came in, hello, hello, who are you, who are you? Right? And he sat down and he wanted to eat. So his daughter-in-law gave him a plate on which there were also vegetables. So Rav Yaakov asked, did they take trubis and maestros from these vegetables? So they assured him that they did and it was fine and he could eat it. So Rav Yaakov said, Rav Yaakov said, you know, how important girsa diyakusa is. How important it is the way you grew up. And what you learned as a child. He says, if I would eat a piece of meat, and then somebody would tell me that it was treif, I would probably vomit on the spot. But if I eat a piece of tomato, I wasn't brought up, and they tell me afterwards that they didn't take trimus and maestros, you know, I wouldn't feel the same way. Because when I was a child, When I was a child in, 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 in Ukraine or in Lita, they didn't take trubus and maizus and the tomatoes. So it doesn't affect me in the same way. That's the story of Rav Yaakov Kabinetsky, who is apparently a clever person. Along comes the Shem Yishmua. And the Shem Yishmua says, Ha'inyan hu, Mishum de tzadikim, Avshem izdachachim eitev, Ad shigam betivam me'atzmam einam nimshachim, a tzaddik is not only a person who acts in a certain way. A tzaddik is a person who interacts with teva, with nature, in a certain way. And if the Torah says, you know, there are things in teva that you can stay away from, then the tzaddik feels that. He feels he's in the wrong place. He feels that the Torah says, don't talk lush and horror. And suddenly everybody around you is talking Lush and Har. Most people can put up with that. Other Rabbo. They're happy about it. But a tzaddik feels out of place. He doesn't interact well with that reality. So, this is what, this is what the Shemi Shmuel says. Enab nimshachim achar ra'ui, which means what the Torah wants of them. Even if Seichel is not really in charge. Seichel says, oh, this is forbidden, or this is permitted. Even without thinking about it, uh, they, would, uh, they would stay away. I'm sorry. That b'chol yom ani mechashev lemakom ploni uleveit dira plonit ani olech vayuraglay meviot oti lebatei knesiyot lebatei medrashot. That there are people like that. The people come to a place and they go to shul. I mean, you don't have to tell them where the shul is. You don't have to tell them where the baked medrash is. That they just are drawn to it, like a like a magnet. 
another pasuk, Hainu ilu ayu layadayim ba'atzmam chayfetz v'ratzon. And your hands go to the right place without thinking about it. Uva'asher ha'behema va'akelim kiraglei ha'ba'alim nimshachim tamalehem bechinazo. So if <coughs> if the ba'alim, if the owners of the animals would not go to a certain place, so the the animals also uh, learn that that's how they should act. Va'behema ba'asher yeshla ratzon la'asot olachdo, and whether or not the behema has ratzon, has free will to do something or not. Even if you say that the Behemah doesn't understand anything, but the Behemah learns to act as its masters act. Aval, if Shalomarim Ba'alim you can't say that if Avramavinu was a man of great faith that the camel would also have great faith there's no reason to think that the behemoth has this capacity and so he says he the Shem Shmuel says there's no kasher it's true that the behemoth, the Hamor, Rapinchas ben Yair, wouldn't be great. It's also true that they had to tie up the mouth of the camel of Avram Avinu. Of Avram Avinu. Why? Because the Hamor, Rapinchas ben Yair, Gishidar, Isu, Shayativ, Anotalitov. The behemoth said that this food is forbidden food. Just like my master wouldn't eat it, so I'm not going to eat it ever. Anyway, because because the heter ela sheshayach lezulato zeu begeder achochma veinze shayach lebeima shalein laenyan bishem enyan seichal klal. What does the shemishul say? It's like like an interesting. What's the kasha? What was the kasha? The kasha was if Rabbi Nachamor Bapichas Ben Yair. That how come the camel of Avram Avinu, the Shemish rule says, Adar Adar, what are you talking? What is the chamor of Rapinchas Ben Yair? He wouldn't eat tref food. Wouldn't go into a store that sold tref meat and, and eat the tref meat. He says, okay, that's something that's identifiable. There's a chazer, is a chazer, a cow is a cow. Even animals are able to make that distinction. But with Avram Avinu, with the camel of Avram Avinu, what are we trying to say? That there's mine and yours. That's dependent on Seichel. You have to be an exalted, have an exalted mind in order to be able to say, no, this I'm not going to take because it belongs to you. Everybody knows. Everybody knows about little children. You know about little children? About Erickson? Erickson? He wasn't a great Jew, but he maybe he was. I don't know. Erickson. Erickson is the one who explained to us 
that babies and children have very big mouths. You know what? Big mouths. And they want to take everything and put it into their mouths. And eventually, they learn that you can't do that. Because some things, let's say toys, this notion that there are my toys and his toys, it's not something that just comes automatically. Like everybody knows when you go with your little children to visit other little children, they always embarrass you, don't they? I mean, consistently. Because they take the stuff of the other children and do whatever they want with it. They don't recognize that there's mine and there's theirs. That takes a long time to learn. That takes a long time to learn. <laughs> Some people never learn it. But it takes time to learn. To get beyond the stage where you think everything is yours. So, Shemi Shmuel says, the animals are able to imitate their masters. That's the way of the world. That's the world that HaKadosh Baruch created. And therefore, if the masters are very righteous, the animals will also act in a way that other animals do not act. <coughs> that only refers to things that are easily discernible. Mutar and Asur. That's what the Shevish Bull says. But, when it comes to mine and yours, when it comes to the fruit in the... Uh, in the field that doesn't belong to me but belongs to somebody else who I can't see and I don't know about that <coughs> that's very difficult so the Shemi Shmuel defends Rashi against the Ramban the Ramban says Adava Poshut Adava Poshut that the camel of Avram Avida must have been as frum as the donkey of Bichos Ben Yair <coughs> and that's what the Medrash means the Shemi Shmuel says no wait a minute Rashi can still be justified. Rashi can still be justified. So you see, Eliezer went to Lavan. Went to Lavan to get a bride for Yitzchak. And in this whole story, in this whole story, we don't have Eliezer explaining to Rivka that she has to be able to accept a new world, a new order. She's not going to be living with Lavan and Bituel. She's going to be living with Avram Avinu and Yitzchak Avinu. Totally different, a totally different world. So, according to Rashi, according to Rashi, Rivka understood the world that she was getting into, according to Rashi, because of the care that Eliezer, representing Avram Avinu, took to make sure that they would never steal. And she came from a home where they stole all the time. As we see later on with the story of Yaakov. <coughs> according to the Ramban, the message was that there was a righteousness in the home of Avram Avinu, which spread and included even the animals who worked and bore the burdens 
in that home. So this Pasuk is the only place that Eliezer pointed to who he really was. Whether you learn the Pasuk like Rashi with the Shem Shmuel, or you learn the Pasuk like the Ramban. And a further Raya, even though it's not brought, you all remember that in Yonah, we often call the Book of Yonah, Machte Yonah, but the Book of Yonah is a book. In Treyasar. In Machte Yonah, when Yonah comes to Ninveh, and he says, Od Arba Im Yon, the impression that was made on the people was so powerful that the king cried and wore clothes of mourning. The people wore clothes of mourning. They were all doing tshuva together. And the behemah and the, the Tanakh says that the behemot also did tshuva. And as the Shem Yishmuel says, the behemot don't have seicha. They're not in that category. But they understand when something remarkable is happening. They understand that the time had come to join with whatever was going on. So the Navi says, the people of Ninveh did tshuva, the king and his and his entourage did tshuva and the animals also did tshuva they acted out this kind of this kind of tshuva so that it seems to me <coughs> that Eliezer oh, have you explained the pasuk like Rashi or like the Ramban it was Eliezer's job to explain to Rivka who he was and what he was taking her to. And what he was taking her to was a world of righteousness. And righteousness divided up into two categories. Rashi, who said that <coughs> the camel had a bit on it so that it shouldn't steal inadvertently, which is the righteousness of the master, Right? Halachic righteousness. Right? This is mutar and this is asur. That goes to the master. Or according to the Ramban, that the atmosphere created in the house of Avram Avinu was so powerful that even the animals, as the donkey or Pinchas Ben Yair, would accept the obligation of that kind of righteousness. So in this pasuk, which started out as being kind of a simple pasuk, added to that a kind of a unimportant machlokas, ends up within the story as perhaps the most important pasuk from the point of view of Rivka that there is. When did Rivka find out what she was getting into? That's why Fatachet Agmalim. That was the moment at which it became clear to her that the righteousness of Lavon and Besuel and Rivka, as much as whatever it was, okay, Lavon was willing to help uh, Eliezer feed the animals, Rivka was willing to help with the water, and certainly those were acts that are positive and acceptable, but far from the level of righteousness reflected 
in the attitudes of Eliezer coming from the home of Avram Avinu. Have a good shot.